0: Welcome to Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris. Here each week we engage in candid conversations with Nate, focusing in on some of the subjects brought up in the Sunday morning teaching shared at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. Do you enjoy being told you made a mistake? Most people don't like being told that they did something wrong or even worse, that their life choices are consistently incorrect. In this episode of Unscripted, We discuss how we as Christians need to be willing to hear that word of rebuke from other Christians and how we need to be willing to share a loving word of correction with other believers as well. Let's join the discussion now. Well, hey, Nate, um, man, one of the things I love about doing this unscripted podcast with you is we get to learn so much about you. Things that you don't really get a, a chance to share on Sunday morning, you know, and and at staff meeting, oh, this last staff meeting, we, we learned something about you that I never knew. And I, I don't think anybody in our church really knew about you. And I'm so excited to share this with everybody listening. Really? That is that you used to be a very skilled horse jumper. <laughs>
1: uh yes this is correct yeah I'm just a regular Forrest Gump there's all kinds of (laughs) you just don't like all these crazy (laughs) (laughs) secrets that
0: will be pulled out in this podcast eventually um so you jumped horses
1: when you were younger I yeah I did Uh, we had a horse um I guess I was in middle school yeah when I was in middle school we had a horse uh for a few years and I uh was got into riding english style and so i did that and i did show jumping and dressage and all those fancy schmancy english style riding things uh back in so the day So you
0: jumped over like hedges and barriers and things like that
1: I don't remember if we ever had an actual hedge set up but there okay. was jumps so it's you know it's it's a frame holding up a log or two logs or something like that in, uh, in a row set up you know and you go and you, you your goal is to make a a certain course through the okay. arena so they'll have a bunch of different jumps set up in different places and you go and you have to ride them in order and you have to you get judged on style but you also get judged on sticking to the um to the plan and kind of all those things so is yeah. it timed is it a race oh man i know i don't think it's a race so much as it is um but it's it might be time i don't remember whether it was timed or not honestly but your goal was you, you start out and you go through the arena. You do the right number of jumps in the right order. And um, obviously, if your horse misses something or you miss a jump, then you kind of get in trouble. If your horse refuses to jump, then you get in trouble. <laughs> so it's kind of scored, though, based on that and, and style and uh, sticking to the plan. And um, yeah, so... You shared with us at staff meeting that there
0: was one time when the horse decided it wasn't going to jump, but you went ahead and went forward. Yeah, that anyway. was,
1: that was when I was learning. Um, okay. yeah, when I was learning and I didn't have a horse yet, I was borrowing somebody else's horse and we were practicing in this arena and I just rode the horse up to the jump and the horse didn't go over the jump and <laughs> I flew off the back of the horse and landed on the jump. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, man, that was, that was not fun. Um, yeah, I definitely hurt myself that way. I mean, it wasn't bad. I was young. I, w- you know, was pretty resilient. But um, you can get hor- hurt, horseback riding. Oh, yeah. Seriously. I mean, Christopher Reeve, right? Yeah, you yeah. got paralyzed. Yeah. The uh,
0: so, how old were
1: you when you started doing that? I was probably I was probably eleven or twelve. Okay, I think, somewhere around there. Yeah. So,
0: did you have like, uh, did you guys have like coaches that? Tra- yeah. Or yeah. So or I something? had a
1: trainer that I met with and I think we practiced once or twice a week. Um, and then I was a part of an organization called Pony Club, which is, uh, it, it's, uh, it's kind of an organization that uh, is centered around that kind of English style writing and they had competitions and different things like that. So I competed in some different competitions with that. Um, I did a triathlon, I think it was um that was like i don't don't think it was called a triathlon i forget what it's called but this is this is like delving into my deep history here i just don't even remember all this stuff clearly but we would it'd be shooting and then it would be uh riding and then i think it was swimming possibly i don't know it was like not something you see in the olympics but it involved horseback riding and shooting and then one other thing i think it might have been swimming but Mm sounds
0: like maybe you were in a posse or something. Were you in a gang? Or? It, it, it explains yeah. that big tattoo on your back that says pony club. Now yeah, I understand right. why you have that. Yeah, right. He doesn't really have that. No, that's funny. Um, so the, I, the reason I wanted to ask that question was the teaching this week in Ephesians chapter four uh, dealt with something that in my head, I related to coaching. Um, I think about like we're talking about how Paul was, was calling people out on certain behaviors, of, uh, like, don't do this, do this. Don't do this, do this. And whenever I think about that in scripture, I always, because in my sporting background, I had coaches mm-hmm. growing up, and then I was a coach for many years. And I think about that in relation to spiritual things and our Christian walk, that uh, having coaches you know yeah. in our life who who help us to understand how to walk out our christian walk and so you know really i guess w- the section that we're in, in in ephesians 4 is really dealing a lot with how we live in community with each other with with right. other christians and and paul this past week you you honed in on three really specific areas of accountability that we have with other christians and that's it that was lying versus honesty uh, sinful wrath versus righteous anger and stealing versus giving. Um, f- first question I want to ask is, is Paul and the other apostles, you know, who, who wrote God's word, basically, are they the only ones who are allowed to call us on these things or are we as Christians supposed to be calling each other out on these things?
1: Yeah. I'm, i I think, absolutely we are. I think this is, um, this is a, an example of Paul kind of giving a picture of what it looks like to live like a Christian. Um, but it's not just reserved for the, you know, high up leadership in the church to make sure to kind of help us walk in that we're called to do that with each other, right? We're called to bear one another's burdens, as it says. So um, this is something that is for every believer in in terms of um, coming alongside each other. And I think that's probably what's important to think about when you're talking about that kind of, you know, direction or coaching, if you will, um, is it's not so much a pointing out people's errors as it is Helping to spur each other on in the right direction, you know, and really kind of um, like I mean, if you're at, like if you use the example of coaching, if you're out there and you're a quarterback playing football. And your form is wrong when you're throwing the ball, you're not gonna be as accurate and you're not gonna be as timely. And so the coach is gonna say, hey, I don't want you to put your foot here. I want you to put it there. Mm. I don't want you to hold your arm like this. I want you to hold it like this. And then make sure you're grabbing the ball by the laces in this way, this type of thing. You know, they're gonna give you very specific instruction, not to like say, oh, you're bad and you're doing the wrong thing, but to say, this is how you actually accomplish what you're looking for. This is how you get better. This is how you succeed in what you're trying to do. And the same thing's true for our Christian walk. Um, so we're called to, to come alongside each other in that way with grace and love and hmm. like just over the top, you know, love for each other, not in a judgmental sense, but in a, Hey, let's pursue the Lord together type of sense.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, Ooh. I feel like that's one of the the biggest issues with people being involved in a church with Christians, you know, they, like they believe in Jesus, but they don't want to be involved in a church because they don't, they feel like they're being judged or, you know, you hear that so often, it seems like, um, what, what are ways that, what are practical ways that we can do this? Because it seems like the pendulum swings one way or the other most often. It's like, we don't, we shouldn't say anything to each other about behavior. Yeah or you know becomes very judgmental and legalistic How can we stay in that place of balance where um, we're able to speak to each other about these things without it being condemnation
1: right Yeah, I think it's really the spirit about which you're you're bringing something um, and it is it is I mean you see a pendulum and and it's hard because we read scriptures like this, and then a lot of times, it, what comes to our mind is maybe people have had an experience with a a, a, a bad experience with a church where they really were judgmental and condemning, um, versus encouraging and exhorting. And you know, if I'm stuck in a sin or something like that condemnation is not what I need you know that's not not what a person needs when they're struggling you don't you don't see somebody that broke their leg and go and say stand up (laughs) you know get it together and I think that's probably the way that we need to think about approaching it. I talked a couple weeks ago about like you know coming onto the scene of a like an accident and uh, the the illustration I used then was a little bit different because I was talking about the person that's coming you want them to be put together right not not hurt themselves but really what it is it's like you know sin is a disease that has infected us and when we as believers are falling back into sin it's like we're wounded it's like we're hurt by that and so the way that we should approach somebody when we see them caught in sin is as if we are the medic the emt coming onto the scene and here help me let me help you let me help you get your self picked up and we're not the one that's going to put them back together we're not the doctor you know we just get to transport them to the hospital to Jesus you know yeah. we just get to say hey let's go to Jesus let's go to Jesus he's going to fix what's going on he's going to help you with this he's going to help you overcome this he's going to bring you healing but our job is really just to be the EMT the ambulance person coming in and saying hey i see this like i see right now man you have been you know caught in this thing and i can see it and i just i care about you and i love mm-hmm. you too much to let you stay there because it's going to end up hurting you in the end and then we point them towards Christ. The other, it's kind of like, uh, speaking of ambulances and things, Chuck Smith used to give this illustration. Uh, he would say, you know, when you get to the scene of an accident, there's two types of, of necessary people that arrive. It's the, the ambulance, the EMT, and it's the police, right? The police come and they arrive on the scene to determine who's at fault, right? Mm. And a lot of times what judgmental churches will do is they will take the, the role of the police when they show up on the scene of the accident, on the scene of the crime, the scene of the sin, right? Mm-hmm. And they are there to assign fault. But the medic doesn't care who's did, who did what, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. They don't care if it was a person that was drunk driving and hit somebody on the side of the road. If that person who was drunk is, is um, injured, they're gonna take care of them as well. Their job is not to assign fault or blame. Their job is to bring healing yeah. and that's the job of the church really uh god's job is to judge and he is a much better judge than we are and so our job is not to be those who are judging but those who are helping and assisting but i think sometimes people have taken that "well, judge not lest you be judged and say well i can't point out anything mm-hmm. i shouldn't ever speak to somebody else about what they're going through and that is not loving people That that's not right. you might not be judging them but you're also not the medic helping them either
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's a, uh, yeah, it would be like a, maybe a doctor discovering that a person has cancer and then saying, well, I don't want to tell them because I know that'll probably upset them, you know? And so I'm just going to ignore it and not tell them, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. but it's, it's hurting them and you're a doctor and you saw it and you yeah. shouldn't, if you care about the person at all, then you would let them know that
1: something harmful is is going on in them yeah there's a you know you mentioned that and i I think sometimes sometimes people go to the doctor and you know when you've got something serious going on sometimes the doctors can be pretty blunt Mm -hmm. and they are blunt because they want you to understand the gravity of the situation right i mean you know firsthand what this is like i mean when you received your cancer diagnosis i'm sure it wasn't like a sit down you know kind of super cozy Conversation, right? right. It was right. probably had some bluntness to it. Yeah. Um, but it also pointed the path towards healing. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's, you know.
0: And then another thing that happened in that, the, the doctor who initially told me uh, the diagnosis, I could tell his heart was breaking for me. Yeah. He was really sad uh, about what he had to share with me. And I, I wonder how that translates to us talking to each other about sin too. I like, I could tell he cared about me. Yeah. He wasn't like happy to tell me about this. He yeah, wasn't yeah. being, a, you know, like, Oh, you've been really bad and you got cancer. <laughs> you know, it wasn't judgmental. Right. It was. And I, I think that's probably a good word for us as well. When we feel like God's calling us to speak to somebody about mm-hmm. an issue in their life that, you know, our heart would break for them, you know, to, to talk to them about this. Yeah. So.
1: And I think there's probably a way to, to evaluate ourselves in that moment, um, because you know I've been a part of churches in the past that have been very legalistic and judgmental, um, and I've seen many instances of that in my life. And usually, when that's the case, it's it, it, it's not a, a desire to see healing or restoration. It's a desire to see law and order and justice, mm. right? And um, not that we shouldn't care about justice. Not that we shouldn't care about the right thing, but if it's about the right thing more than it is about the person that is caught in that, then it's probably the wrong thing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, judging a person versus versus judging their actions too, I think is important, you know, like that we don't um, look at somebody's actions and say, that's who they are, you know? And like, like Jesus said that we shouldn't call people, you fool. Yeah. You know, but they may be doing something foolish. Right. But we don't judge the person and say, you are a fool. Yeah. You're just like what you did. Right. Was, was foolish. Um, on the, the flip side of that, I think too, it's important for us as Christians to, um, to be open to that. I, a verse that God smacked me upside the head with a few years ago is Psalm 141 verse 5. David writing says, let the godly strike me. (laughs) It will be a kindness. If they correct me, it is soothing medicine. Don't Mm. let me refuse it. Yeah. How can we help ourselves stay in that place? Yeah. Like where we would even desire for somebody, another Christian to come and and speak to me about my sin.
1: Yeah, that's a hard thing to do because when we allow our sin to come out or our bad attitudes, I mean, it's, sin is a big word that encompasses a lot of things, right? So but our bad attitudes, our addictions, our... Um, the the truth of what we think, you know, th- all the things that we don't really want people to know about us, you know, uh, when we let that stuff out into the light, we're afraid not only of judgment and condemnation, but of rejection from people, you know, and sometimes correction can feel like rejection. Oh, yeah. um, and it's not. Um, in fact, I mean, I, I shared on Sunday, Proverbs 27, six, very similar to what you're what that verse was that you shared. It says, you can trust a friend who corrects you, right? But kisses from an enemy are nothing but lies. And so um, honestly, when somebody's coming to you in loving correction, that is a sign that that person actually cares about you and is going to stick with you through the thing. I mean, so I I can just speak to in my own life, the times where I've had something going on that I've been, uh, that I've had somebody come and really kind of correct me on, at first your flesh rises up and you're like, Oh, who are you to tell me? And then you're like, Oh, I want to cover this up. And you're like, you know, all these different feelings you have, but when you really come down to it and think about what they're saying and accept the truth of it, if it is true, um, you see that they're coming to you in a spirit of love and because they care about you, not because they're judging you or condemning you. And so, um, That's something that you have to grow in though. You can't, you don't just automatically walk around super vulnerable and authentic all the time saying who you are to everybody you interact with, because some people are not safe, right? There are people that we shouldn't share those things with. Um, There are struggles that we shouldn't share with the entire world, right? Even the entire church. Um, But there should be people that we are comfortable going to and saying, hey, this is what's going on in my heart. Or maybe they see, they know us enough to see those things in our life and feel comfortable pointing them out. And we feel comfortable receiving that correction from them. So, but I think that's, that's some sign of maturity of getting there. Mm-hmm. You know, so people think sign of maturity is I don't need help. <laughs> people think a sign of maturity is, is having it all together and having it all figured out. But I think the opposite is true. A, a true sign of Christian maturity is realizing that man, we're all a mess. On our own, and we need each other, and we need the Spirit of God, and we need that work of the body together in order to be mature. So,
0: the uh, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, like being exhorted or being rebuked. Uh, I thought about Abraham, how he was rebuked by two unbelieving kings for yeah. some mistakes, sin, lying that he did, and. It, it seemed like he received it. Uh, I was also thinking about Balaam, who was rebuked by his donkey, (laughs) who spoke to him about mistakes that he was making. Um, Should we be open to rebuke from people who aren't even believers? Like, um, you know, is that a healthy thing or should we only listen to other believers?
1: Well, I think, um, I mean, I think we always want to measure everything against the word of God. Mm. So in today's day and age, we receive Christians receive rebuke from non-believers all the time. You know what I mean? We're called bigots. We're called Mm. all kinds of things that are not true when we know what the word of God is saying. But, um, there are certainly times when the world calls us out or God uses somebody, even a donkey (laughs) to call us out, you know? Like with the whole Balak and Balaam situation, God gave a donkey words to bring a rebuke, you know? Um, So if he can do that, then certainly he can use a non-believer. But I do think we need to measure what's brought to us against the word of God. And so if somebody comes and says, well, you know, you're just being a bigot and you're not loving because you're standing for what the Bible actually says about Mm -hmm. the word of God, we should measure that against the word of God and say, are they right? Well, if they're not, then that's not true. But at the same time, somebody could come to you and say that, and it might not be the fact that you're right or wrong about what you're talking about as much as the way that you said it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. If you're out there name-calling and bashing people who are caught up in a lifestyle that we know is sinful, that's not honoring God. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you might get a rebuke from that from a non-believer that is valid and just.
0: Yeah, I just uh, last night got into a little social media conversation with somebody about a similar thing and um, they were, uh, you know, coming against Christians for, they lumped everything together, of course, you know, that you're all hateful because you say these things or whatever. And and just got in a quick little conversation. It was civil. It didn't get out of control or anything like that, but it was, you know, I, I was sharing with them that, you know, I think you're right. You know, I think that there are some, Christians who are being hateful in the way that they're dealing with this type of thing, and it, I think it's important that we're always, like you said, you know, you weigh everything against the Word of God, but to have that humility to be rebuked mm-hmm. and to say, well, you know, let me consider this against the mm-hmm. Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to to show me, just mm-hmm. to have that humility at all times to to be willing to
1: be wrong. Yeah. I think I've been thinking about this. Um, I heard this in a book recently that I was listening to. And humility has throughout history been considered a virtue in many different ways, in different societies and things too. But it definitely in the Christian world, it's it's one of the top virtues listed in scripture is humility. But in our modern day, even in the church, um, humility has almost become like seen as a vice, mm. seen as a negative. It's actually you should be loud and proud and angry and and outraged and and unfortunately that's the case. It shouldn't be like that. But random side note, probably <laughs> not <laughs> we'll talk more about that another it time. It
0: definitely but. isn't in our culture today, is it something that is uh um being promoted. No it's not. Yeah. It's true. Well I just wanted to take a few minutes to Talk about the specific things that were brought out in Ephesians chapter four, um, dealing with uh, the first one was was lying versus honesty, and you shared in the teaching about uh, what you feel like is a big motivation for why we lie. And when we talk about lying, do you think it's whenever I think about lying, I don't think it's just like telling a lie, but it could even just be deceptive. Mm -hmm. Would you consider that that could be lumped together with this? What, what is it that causes us to be deceptive, to withhold truth that we know we should share, or just to tell a, a bold faced lie?
1: Yeah, I think it's fear really is what it is. I mean, it's, there's many different things we might be afraid of, but the, the thing that, that keeps us from speaking the truth is fear of what someone's going to say or think or do in response to finding out that truth. So we cover things up. I mean, like we all do it in different ways, you know? Um, sometimes it's just because I just don't want to talk to this person about this because I don't want them to know and I don't want them to think different of me. And, um, I think fear really drives that. Yeah.
0: yeah I thought that was a really, uh, good insight that, that if we just, you know, I just stopped and thought about it. Like, yeah, that that's the motivator to mm-hmm. to not tell the truth so often. So, in light of that, then what what is it that we should keep in mind to help us be more honest? Like, what what would help us alleviate that fear or whatever that motivates dishonesty?
1: Yeah, I it's really. I mean, it's First John, you know, s- speaks to this and says, um, "There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear." That really it's resting in the love of god and knowing that the love of god and being confident not in yourself mm. but in god's value on you and so that even when you know what you've done or that thing that you think other people might judge you about it's being confident enough in god's love for you to say mm. i can be honest about this
0: yeah and then like even thinking as you say that the that his plan for us is the best thing for us. I think like even yeah. just going in for a job interview and mm-hmm. trying to, you know, portray yourself as as better than you actually are. And right. even being dishonest in some things, you know, to try and get that job yeah. rather than just being honest and saying, if they don't give me the job, then that's not God's will for me. But yeah. just being confident in his, his will and his power and his control and leading in your life. Yeah.
1: I heard a definition of sin recently, and I, I can't remember who the quote is attributed to, but it is somebody made this. This isn't, this isn't innate-ism. Uh, <laughs> but they said, sin is an unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. Mm. And I thought that was really true. Like It's not what, what I think is my deepest happiness, right, but what he right. knows is my deepest yeah. happiness. That's what God wants for me. And sin is saying to God, I don't believe that. Yeah, and so I'm going to pursue happiness my own way. I'm take control. And yeah, yeah, and so I, and that's 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 lying. That's every form of sin, really. It's like, oh, I don't really trust that God is actually looking out for my deepest happiness, and so I don't trust that, and so I'm going to do this instead.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, I think most parents understand that really well. <laughs> you know, can yeah, you know that their kids don't always trust them and what they're doing is Mm -hmm. is the best thing for them. Yeah. Um, The the other one was sinful wrath versus righteous anger. And I kind of added some words there to kind of categorize these things, but how can we know the difference between those two, just like a sinful type of anger or wrath or a a righteous anger that you spoke about?
1: Yeah. I think that, Anger is something that it's it's hard to um, it's hard to really quantify the way that it should work um, when it comes to, to anger and our current language and model of doing things. Um, there are times when it is appropriate and right to be angry about something. We should be angry about injustice. We should be angry about. Um, the loss of a life. We should be angry about abuse or spiritual or sexual abuse. We should be angry about these things. They should cause us to have an anger in our hearts, but it's not an anger that is wrathful, like you said. It's not an anger that is bitter and vindictive and spiteful. It's not an anger that thrashes about. It's not an anger that um, just loses it and goes off, off the handle, flies out of control. That's not the type of anger that we're talking about. Even when Jesus went in and flipped over the temple tables of the money changers and stuff, we get this picture of him just kind of raging about, but that's not actually what happened. It says, I mean, it's kind of crazy. When you think about this, he sat down, he saw what was going on in the temple. And it says that he sat down and made a whip of cords. So he sat down and braided this like whip together, probably took him a few hours to do it. Just sitting there and he went in and he started throwing things around, but it wasn't in wrath and spite and flinging stuff about. It was in a justified like, no, this is this is the house of God. This is not mm-hmm. a place for robbing people. And um, I, I think that when we think about anger, that the, the question really should be, what does our anger spur us to do? Mm-hmm. What is the action that we take in response to that? And that will probably determine what uh, whether our anger was righteous or not. We can be really angry about something that we might be right on, but if we don't respond and do the right thing with that anger, then we're in sin.
0: Yeah, that's what the the verse there or the the statement was, you know, be angry but do not sin. Like you know, there's there's two different things. And I also think about like years ago I I looked into that. Like every time that Jesus got angry. It was always because other people were being mistreated, Mm -hmm. not because he was, when he was mistreated, he didn't get angry. And I think about my anger is so often when I'm mistreated, not when other people are mistreated. So, um, and then the last one was about, uh, he said to, to those who are stealing, which I really think is cool because (laughs) that means they were reaching people for Jesus in the town of Ephesus. You know, there were these thieves getting saved and he's like, you guys who used to steal, stop doing that. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But start working. And then this is the contrast so that you have something to give. And so I see the contrast there stealing versus giving, uh, what is the heart behind those two contrasting behaviors?
1: Yeah, I think it's the, it's a heart of selfishness versus a heart of generosity. Mm. Um, and I think the picture here is, I mean, he could have gone into a long list of these. I think that his point was really that we are living a changed life, that we're no longer focused on ourself. We're now focused outward. We're a new creation. We're something different in Christ, um, than we were before. So it's just this, this picture of, um, being made new, it's being born again. And I think, honestly, I think that the church in America has kind of lost that picture of being born again, because the picture there is complete change. Right. And I think for many Christians, maybe, maybe they got saved many years ago and they kind of just settled into life, or maybe they grew up in the church. And so there wasn't really a before and after, um, Mm. But Jesus said, you must be born again. And that, I mean, that's like a, you're a new creation. You're no longer the same person that you were before him. That person died and you're now a new creation. Um, And this is something that I think that we miss a lot of the time because we just operate, well, this is just who I am. Well, who you are is actually a new creation in Jesus Christ. You're, you've been born again. Yes, we fall back into old patterns and habits and there's grace for when we do, but that's not who we are and that's not our identity. Our identity is in Christ. And so we're a changed creature.
0: Yeah. And I, I think about like these things that he's going through here in Ephesians 4, and I don't want to get into it too deep because I'm going to be teaching in a couple weeks and I don't want to give away <laughs> yeah, all my wisdom that I'm going to share. Now, um, but how it's not about the actions. And that's where I think a lot of times people get confused. It's like, oh, okay. I don't steal. I give. And they right. get caught up in the action. But it's really about the heart. And that's what I think you're saying is about the born again, new nature. It's Mm -hmm. like live as this new creation that God, and these are just some things to be mindful of, to be aware of and stuff as, as we go in that. So, so with that, then I'm just going to cut this off so that we don't get (laughs) too much into my teaching. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. But, uh, looking forward to next week. Thanks for joining us on unscripted. Okay. Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. If you'd like more material from Pastor Nate, you can go to pastornate.com. That's the word pastor, the letter N, and the number 8.com. And for more information about our church, you can connect with us through our website at mountainlife.church. Hope you can join us again next week as we continue the conversation.